Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Indeed it is, and a good morning to you, seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are underway on a Wednesday. It's the fifth morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thanks for joining us. Coming up in about a half an hour, we will talk to Congressman Jim Jordan. My, oh my, do we have a lot to talk about. Tomorrow is the anniversary. Tomorrow is one year since the January 6th breach of the Capitol building and what the left has spent an entire year calling an attempted insurrection, an overthrow of the government. This is what they continue to call what happened on January 6th. They have absolutely politicized a tragedy that, of course, was brought on by politics, dirty politics, and an attempt by a number of members of the United States Senate in good standing including Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, lawfully asking for a temporary pause before certifying the 2020 election. That's what they were doing last year at this time. They were rightfully asking for an opportunity to have a 10-day investigation done to certify and verify everything before the certification vote was taken place. That is not an insurrection. That is a simple part of American government. The people went down there under orders of President Trump, or not even orders, but under the direction of President Trump to peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard which is not an insurrection. They went to the Capitol building without arms, which is not an insurrection. They went to the Capitol building to yell, to cheer, to chant, to plead with the Senate not to certify an election which had so many irregularities. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, And yet they still want to call this an insurrection and an attempt to overthrow the government. Obviously, they are desperate, and the real goal here is to stop 
the former president of the United States from being eligible to run again for president of the United States. This is what the entirety of the January 6th elect committee put together by Nancy Pelosi uh, is all about. It's why our guest, Jim Jordan, was booted from that committee before it ever started, along with Congressman Jim Banks from Indiana. They were two strong constitutionalists who were going to ask that the law be followed and that true investigation happen on the January 6th Select Committee, including all documentation that is currently being uh, kept locked up by Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Questions about feds that were in that crowd, questions about agents provocateur who were doing everything they could to gin up a peaceful crowd and turn it into an angry one uh, that smashed windows and entered a building. All of those things. Extraordinarily important. And tomorrow, on tomorrow's program, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the January 6th uh, situation from a year ago. Tomorrow, of course, being that anniversary. By the way, quick note, in case you did not hear it during Hughes' program, President Trump, was going to hold a press conference at Mar-a-Lago. Some were calling it a rally of sorts tomorrow on January 6th to decry uh, all of the things, that, or many of the things that I just described. He has decided to cancel that press conference slash rally slash speech or whatever. Uh, probably a good move. Time and place matters, and that's probably the wrong time on that day, uh, although I do understand his willingness to make sure that the other side of the story is told rather than the media's narrative on January 6, 2022. So we'll talk to Jim Jordan about all of those things and much, much more coming up at 935. Other than Congressman Jordan, we are guest free the rest of the way. So plenty of opportunities for you to be heard on Always Right. It's 216-901-0945, Either one of those numbers will get you here, and I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, this morning. Now, before we get into the top news story of the day, I would ask that you join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please go ahead and rise. And by the way, as we start 2022, I'm so proud to know that for the better part of 2021, when we started this, uh, so many listeners are actually engaging in this, whether people are around or not. They hear me calling for the pledge and they stand. They hear me asking them to put their hands on their hearts, and they do. They hear me asking them to face flags if they have one, and they don't. And then after a while, we had people saying, I'm in my car at that time. I don't have a flag. Them finding a way to do it. One of them sent me a picture of a postage stamp, a flag, a U.S. flag postage stamp that he stuck to the dash of his car so that when he's listening to uh, this program and we call for the pledge and to face a flag, he has a flag that he can keep an eye on. Uh, while he's driving. I just think it's fantastic. So that's why we will continue to do this at the start of every show. Patriots, go ahead and rise, and let's take care of that. Uh, Leftists, Biden voters, uh, liars about insurrection, um, soft-on-crime liberal Democrats who are getting people like Officer Shane Bartek killed, uh, you can go ahead and take a knee. We know what you believe and do not believe in. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all I want to start our uh, program this morning and thank you for joining us for that pledge by the way 
I want to start uh, by talking about the ongoing rise. You know, some want to call it a spike in crime, in violent crime, in big cities all over this country, in New York City, in San Francisco, in Chicago, in Los Angeles, in Cleveland. A lot of people like to call this very rapid rise of violent crimes, including murders, shootings, carjackings, um, and, and others, you know, violent armed robberies, aggravated robberies. They call these spikes. Now, when you see a spike in a, in a, in a, in a, in a line graph, for example, on a chart, when you see a spike, that typically means it's a very, very dramatic rise to the point, you know, the end of the spike, and then a very quick, dramatic decline, which makes it look like a spike. We're not seeing a spike in violent crime across America. We're not seeing a very rapid rise and then a peak, a point, and then a rapid decline. We are seeing, rather than a spike, we are seeing a steady rise. In other words, it's it's an upward trajectory at maybe a 45-degree angle, maybe even a little bit steeper, but it is not peaking and coming back down to form a spike on a graph. It's staying up there. It is steadily increasing and plateauing and holding. Why? And the answer to that question, I'm very sad to say, is because we have lost all control of policing and law enforcement in the, in the United States of America. And it's not because of police officers. It's not because of chiefs of police. 99% of the blame for this rise, this steady rise, this wave of violent crime, not a spike, comes from left-leaning mayors, left-leaning district attorneys, left, uh, and uh, uh, left-leaning governors in some cases. Leadership has decided that Crime must be treated the way education must be treated, the way businesses must be treated. And what that means is through the lens of equity. You know D-I-E, diversity, inclusion, and equity. A lot of people call that D-E-I. I think they have it out of order. D-I-E spells die, and that's exactly what is going to happen to this country if we follow that prescription. But quite literally, what we are seeing is left-leaning governors, mayors, district attorneys, all deciding that because of equity and really a lack of equity or inequitable measurements of individuals in the criminal justice system, we have to stop enforcing certain laws. We have to stop punishing certain crimes. We have to stop locking up certain criminals based on their skin color or based on a number of other factors. But there has been a long movement on the American left to try to reform the criminal justice system so that the prisons and jails look more like American society, meaning... There are 70% of this country that are white. 
Only about 13% of this country is African American. Yet, the crime disparity is almost unimaginable. The disparity in violent crime in particular, with that 13% of the population being responsible for over 50% of the violent crimes. And thus, that 13% of the population disproportionately represented in prison populations. And that's just not right. There's no equity there. This is the same thing that is being done in schools. Teachers have lost control of classrooms and hallways and cafeterias and so forth because schools have decided to embrace equity when it comes to discipline standards in the same way. There are far too many minorities, ethnic and racial minorities, being suspended or expelled from schools for a variety of offenses. Not nearly enough white students are being suspended and expelled. Now, that could be one of two reasons. One is that they're giving white kids a huge break, and things that they would suspend for if they weren't white are not getting suspensions, which is highly, highly unlikely, or the vast majority of the suspendable offenses in schools are being committed by the racial minorities. Nobody likes these facts. Nobody thinks that this is okay. But the answer to it is not allow people to commit crimes in schools, you know, commit offenses that would be punishable in order to make sure that the schools are learning environments and that kids feel safe. The answer is not to just allow those crimes and those offenses to continue to take place without punishments because of equitable standards that have been set. Just like in the general society, the answer cannot be stop prosecuting criminals. Stop locking up criminals. All in the name of equity, or largely in the name of equity. Criminals have to be treated as what they are, threats and dangers to society. And that's not happening. It's not happening in Cleveland. It's not happening in New York. It's not happening in Los Angeles. And the reasons why, as I say, are very easy to observe. Left-leaning, George Soros-backed prosecuting attorneys, district attorneys, in left-leaning cities, left-leaning states, deciding we're not going to lock people up because it's wrong to lock this many people of one particular racial demographic up. The latest example of this can be found in New York City. The new Manhattan district attorney who has taken office has now has issued publicly a list of all of the crimes that are not going to be prosecuted by his office. We saw the same thing happen in uh, Los Angeles. Same thing happened in Chicago. A list of crimes that aren't going to be prosecuted at all. In other words, we're going to change the laws and say these aren't crimes at all. And then a list of other crimes that are very, very serious that are going to be uh, amended down to being misdemeanors so that no jail time is required. Why? Like I told you, D-I-E. This memo from the Manhattan District Attorney says jail time is going to be reserved only for matters that involve significant harm. That's his quote, is significant harm. 
and the best part, and by best I mean most insane, is that he said this will make the people of the city safer. Wait, what? Alvin Bragg, former federal prosecutor sworn in as Manhattan's district attorney three days ago, sent his guidance uh, to those in his office calling for the decriminalization and non-prosecution of certain crimes, including drug possession including turnstile jumping. So now you you literally no longer have to pay, ride the subways, and use public transportation in New York City. If you do not pay your fare, you will not be t- touched. You won't be arrested, you won't be prosecuted, you won't be fined, nothing. Trespassing. You can go into any building or any place that you wish, even if you don't belong there, you will not be charged. Resisting arrest. Wait, What? Resisting arrest arrest will not be prosecuted. So if a police officer attempts to take you into custody for A, B, C, D, or E, and you don't want to go, fight him. Fight him. Attack him. Kick him. Run. And you won't be prosecuted in New York City. Interfering with an arrest is also decriminalized. Now in New York City, as in some other uh, other uh, uh, big cities, interfering with an arrest. In other words, if your partner, your running mate, your crew member, your, your, your buddy is being arrested, and you knock the policeman down so your buddy can get away, interfering with that arrest, you won't be prosecuted. And oh, by the way, prostitution is now legal in the city of New York. Because the new district attorney says prostitution will be decriminalized. No one will face prosecution for hooking. Despite all of the extraordinary side effects that that has for the individuals and for society, no one will be prosecuted. Criminals are being treated with kid gloves all over this country now. And what, it's, what is it leading to? More violent crime. And murders of people like Officer Shane Bartek. That's right. The same exact situation is happening here in Cleveland. When criminal thugs, criminal thugs, are not held to account by courts of law, by prosecutors and soft judges... Those criminals up their game to the next level, to the point where they're carjacking and killing police officers. I've got more on this, and I welcome your thoughts at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110, right here on Always Right. Welcome back to Always Right with Bob Frantz. All right, all right, all right. On AM 1420, The Answer. It's a short segment here. Um, let me take a call or two. I want to get into some of the details about what's going on with the uh, murder of Shane Bartek, Officer Shane Bartek, and the ball that was dropped, many of them, in fact, between uh, two counties. Uh, that have allowed a career thug only at the age of 18, but somebody who has been a thug and a criminal since 13, to be free. 
Um, more and more television investigations are, are piecing together what happened here, and I do want to tell you more about that as we continue. But real quick, we'll go to Regina, who's calling us from Twinsburg on AM 1420, The Answer. Regina, good morning. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. How are you? Happy New Year. Uh, happy New Year. Hey, um, I never am surprised that it took an off-duty police officer being shot and killed to have the prosecutor of the city of Cleveland start doing something about these carjackings. It just, I'm just fractured for his family. And it, it could have been stopped if the prosecutor did something about it. Well, there, there's there's a, a few elements to that, and you're right, by the way. And thank you for the call, Regina. It's um, it it is it is up to the prosecutors, but it's also up to the judges. There is a, a relationship between prosecutors and judges in counties, and there is a relationship between judges from one county to another that has to happen in order. If you have somebody running around and committing violent crimes in a number of different places, uh, there, there are there are certain things that have to happen in order to keep these people off the streets before they can commit the worst crimes possible, like the one committed against Shane Bartek, that carjacking. And you're right, by the way, when you say they need as a collective unit. Uh, to start cracking down much more seriously on carjackings because they are getting out of control. This was the most high-profile one because a cop was killed, but it's not the only one. I believe in uh, the span of a week's time, about a week ago, there were four separate carjackings in Little Italy, right there either on Murray, uh, Murray Hill or nearby. Four in, within a week's time. This is becoming the new crime du jour. Uh, It is extraordinarily dangerous. And unless they start cracking down with heavy-handed punishments, and I'm talking about significant and severe jail time, it's going to increase. Criminals are being emboldened by weak, ineffectual, and quite frankly, again, left-leaning for the purposes of D.I.E., prosecutors and judges. They are counting on them. They are counting on them to not throw the book at them, to not be strong in punishments against them. That emboldens these criminals to do much, much worse. All right, we'll talk more about that in a bit, but we'll take our time out for news now. Congressman Jim Jordan next, AM 1420, The Answer. left tune your radio to the right and find a voice of reason amid the liberal chaos always right with bob france on am 1420 the answer all right 938 good morning to you uh we are awaiting our call from jim jordan we are, oh how about that talk about perfect timing i was about to say we're awaiting our call from congressman jim jordan i'm told he is on the line now so let's go right to ohio's fourth congressional district representative in the uh house uh or the ranking member rather of the house judiciary committee congressman good morning and happy new year happy new year bob good to good to be with you again good to be with you as well i appreciate that i was afraid we might uh, not be able to get you today because i know there are a lot of things going on as a matter of fact i want to start um with the uh, you know the date uh, today is the fifth tomorrow is the one year anniversary of the uh, uh-huh. breach of the Capitol the violence that no one left or right supports uh, and that everyone condemned universally however 
It appears that the January 6th Select Committee, which you were barred from participating on and being a part of, along with <laughs> Congressman Jim yeah. Banks, um, you know, they, 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 they are trying to turn this into politi- a political event. Uh, they are trying to essentially, in my opinion, prevent Donald Trump from being able to run from president. Yeah, run for president yep. in 2024, and I think they're trying to ma- uh, put all of this at his feet and at his supporters' feet. Tomorrow is going to be quite a day as they continue to sell insurrection. How do you approach it? No, you're you're a hundred percent right. Um, this is purely partisan political committee focused on going after President Trump and going after re- the Republican Party. And look, we we all condemn the violence that happened that day. Uh, it was wrong. The people who did wrong should be held accountable, and they are. There have been over 700 people uh, and, and prosecuted uh, for, for wrongdoing that day. But it would have been nice, Bob, if the Democrats would be consistent, because Republicans have been. You and I have condemned the violence that took place on January 6, 2021, and we condemned all the violence that took place in the summer of 2020. It would have been nice if Democrats would have done that as well. Instead, what did they do? They said rioters and looters who attacked police officers who they were for defunding, they said, we're going to go raise money and bail those individuals out of jail. So that, that's the part that bothers me so much. Um, but, yeah, this is I think the American people see it for what it is. This is this is purely partisan uh, attack on President Trump. And they are trying to make it so that he can't run again, which you and I both know that we want him to. And I think he's going. To. They're, they're also doing their level best, it would appear, to try to harm as many Trump supporters as possible, including his former chief of staff. You and I spoke about Mark Meadows yep. the last time we talked. But now they're coming after you as well, or at least they are trying to subpoena you to come and testify and to get a hold of records and so on and so forth. Um, I, I, I don't know what you plan to do about that or how you plan to handle that, but i got to tell you, I'd be a little bit worried, worried considering what they already had from you, which is a series yeah. of text messages between yourself and Mark Meadows, yeah. were completely manipulated and changed for the purpose of, 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 yeah. of publicly making it appear as though there was some criminality here. Uh, so how are yeah. you going to handle their, uh, their request to speak with you? Well, we're reviewing, uh, we're reviewing that request, but I think you're, 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 you said it well. Uh, I mean, I have real concern about any committee that would alter evidence and then lie to the American people about that evidence. And that's exactly what they did. They took a text message that I had forwarded onto the chief of staff to the president of the United States. They changed it, changed the punctua- uh, punctuation, left out a bunch of the information in the text, and presented as if it was a single standalone text, and as if it came from me when it was something I had forwarded. And then they presented that to the American people. But again, this wasn't the first time Adam Schiff had done something like that. Time and time again, during the whole Trump-Russia investigation, during impeachment, he misled the American people and said things that were not true. So, yeah, we, we got real concerns about that, but we're reviewing everything, and they've asked if we'll come in and testify. We're going to review everything, and uh, we'll see. Last thing about January 6th for now, Congressman Jordan. Um, you know, President Trump is eventually going to have to explain in, in, in as much detail as, as he can, I think, what he was doing during the... Uh, uh, during the event, what they call an insurrection, which a lot of us call just a lot of very carried away people, many of them being led, in my opinion, by agents provocateur who are there to gin up that crowd and pushing violence and pushing vandalism and breaking windows and getting inside. Um, the, the way the left is painting this, both on the committee and in the media, is that Donald Trump was sitting 
uh, in a room with the TV on, watching it all happen with his feet up and smiling and saying, I'm not doing anything about it. I like it. That's the narrative. Being somebody yes. who's close to the president, what can you tell us about what he was doing, doing during that period of time? Well, I, I mean, I don't know, but that, that's ridiculous. I mean, c- come on. The president of the United States, uh, you know, uh, the president of the United States offered to have the National Guard there. In fact, we put out, uh, there was a letter that went out this week to the Speaker of the House saying, why won't you let the sergeant at arms office turn over information and communications and documents because, Bob, we have conflicting testimony. The Capitol Hill police chief said prior to January 6th, on January 4th, that he asked to have the National Guard there. The White House had offered to have the National Guard present for this big rally that was going to be in town that day. The, the Capitol Hill police chief asked for it. The sergeant-at-arms said, uh, no, you didn't. So you have conflicting testimony. The Capitol Hill police has turned over, they've turned over all their documents and communications, but the sergeant-at-arms, who reports direct to the speaker's office, won't turn over that information. Now, that makes you wonder. One guy says, I asked for it. The other guy says, no, you didn't. And the guy says, no, you didn't, who answers Speaker Pelosi, won't turn over the information. Hmm, why is that? And then when this, when this person was, when the sergeant-at-arms was under oath in front of the Senate and asked that question, his lawyer responded after the fact to the senators and said, well, you'll have to get that information from the speaker's office. And the, 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 the speaker's counsel, the House counsel, has said, we're not going to turn it over. Now, that to me is an important question that, that Speaker Pelosi will not answer. So we, we, that, that letter went out this, this uh, uh, Monday from uh, the top Republican on the House Administration's Committee, Rodney Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see if Speaker Pelosi gives us an answer now, but she for a year now has refused to turn over those communications, those documents. And again, to a committee that's supposed to be figuring out how the Capitol can be, be- better protected as we move forward. Yeah, well, the fact that, as you pointed out, that the president requested National Guard presence there, uh, you know, to, to make sure that everything was protected, to make sure that there was nothing that was going to be out of control, and they did nothing about that. That's huge. And what you just said, too, underscores the fact that she's blocking access, she being Nancy Pelosi, to these very important documents, these important records, is, 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 an ex, is, is a, a direct reason why they didn't want you on the committee. You can be saying this on a radio show or on Fox News, uh, and they can ignore you. But if you're on the committee bringing these questions up, uh, then they would actually have to be addressed. And, and nobody wants to yep. answer, at least nobody, uh, in Nancy Pelosi's employ, uh, or, or in her, you know, on her side that, that want to answer the question, Nancy, what are you hiding? Benny Thompson, the chairman of the committee, says, well, the, the Speaker Pelosi is off limits. And, I mean, he's he's made statements to that effect, like off limits. She's in charge of the security of the Capitol. If she's the top person in for the Capitol, but no, we can't we can't get that that information. And this here's the other thing that bothers me so much about. Think about this: Democrats Democrats have objected to counting the electors every single time a Republican has won the presidency this century. They objected on January 6, 2001, January 6, 2005, January 6, 2017. They, for four years, they tried to overturn the 2016 election. They spied on the presidential campaign. They did impeachment in secret based on um, a so-called whistleblower whose identity only Adam Schiff got to know. They have kicked Republicans off committee, won't let Republicans serve on select committees, have closed the Capitol, allowed proxy voting, trying to make D.C. a state trying to end the Electoral College, trying to end the filibuster, trying to pack the court, trying to nationalize elections, letting illegal immigrants vote, and, as we pointed out, this committee altered evidence and lied to the American people about it. And yet they have the, the, the audacity to say it's President Trump and Republicans who are trying to undermine democracy? 
give me a freaking break. So th- that's what just is, is so – and again, I think the American people see through it. The folks at CNN don't, but everyone else in the country sees through what this committee is really up to. We are talking with Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, as we do each and every week right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Um, I, I'm going to talk about COVID policy in a moment, but I, I want to look forward to November now that we are in the calendar year 2022. It's what we have all been targeting since the what I believe to be the theft of the election in November of 2020. We said in 2022, we can start to stop the damage or slow the damage being done by the full control of the uh, White House and both chambers of Congress by the Democrats by winning the thing back. Um, I want to ask you two questions about that. Number one, what is the most effective GOP platform to ensure that what the polls show, and we all know polls can be wrong, um, but what the polls show is going to be a red wave and a massive sweep into power in the House and at least enough for a two- or a three-seat majority in the Senate. What is the most effective platform in your mind, Congressman? And then the second thing is, will we have a free and fair election in November? Chuck Schumer, literally just in the last two days, has threatened to change the Senate filibuster rules by January 17th in order to push through the federalization of the the elections process to take the rights away from the state to secure their elections. So can you address both of those? Well, as far as the, the election goes, I think a couple things have to happen. Uh, one is, and, and I think this, this first thing is, is definitely going to be there. There are going to be so many people uh, who are going to be watching to make sure that any concerns out there that we're on top of it, you know, we're watching the elections, we're watching the returns, we're going to be there. So I think that that's number one. Uh, number two, in states that can Tighten up your election laws, like Georgia did, and and that is happening around the country in states where you have Republicans in charge who actually think that you should show a photo ID if you're going to vote. I mean, it's amazing to me. You 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 have to show uh, a vaccine passport to get a Big Mac in Democrat-run cities, but you don't have to show an ID to vote. It makes it makes absolutely no sense. And then I think also maybe the third and most important is if Democrat-run areas, if they try to change their election law in an unconstitutional fashion, like many states did in the summer of 2020. Then, then we have to go to court right away. You can't have the Constitution is is crystal clear. It says the time, place, and manner of election law shall be determined by the state legislatures in those respect in, in each of the respective states. If they try to change that, going with some partisan Secretary of State or some partisan State Supreme Court versus the legislature making those changes, we have to Republicans take that to court and and. and take it to federal court and get an answer. So I think those are the three things we, we have to do. As far as our platform is, we, yeah. we got to be back for you know securing the border, doing the things that make sense. This, this crazy inflation we have, this this fact that we don't have a border anymore, we got to be talking about the policies that will be that we'll put back in place to uh, to fix those uh, big concerns that are on the, the minds of Americans. Yeah, and um, you know I'm curious to see what kind of a role COVID plays and. Um either recovering from, ending, defeating the virus, or learning to live with it and accepting it for what it is. I'm curious to see what you think about that. And and I'm going to give you a little quick uh, audio clip here to respond to, to, to maybe compare what your thoughts are to those of the White House. Jen Psaki was asked uh, yesterday about uh, what the, you know, what the, whether or not the White House has lost control of, um, uh, of, of the virus. And this is what she said. There is a sense among many that the country has lost control of the virus. Would the White House agree with that? We would not. She went on to say that look at all of the improvements we've made since a year ago in testing, 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 testing. Now, I don't know about you, but testing does not actually treat the virus, at least from what I have been able to find. 
Um, yeah. And she said, no, we have not lost control of this, despite the fact that literally just uh, about two weeks ago, President Biden himself surrendered, saying there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. So. In my opinion, Congressman, the the Democrats and the Biden campaign weaponized the coronavirus in 2020 to win the election Mm -hmm. again. And use Mm -hmm. that in air quotes. They weaponized the virus saying Trump doesn't have a plan. We do. Well, here we are. Mm -hmm. We are in a far worse position now than we were a year ago, despite the presence of all of these so-called vaccines. Um, How will the Republicans use covid in the way that the democrats did to convince the voters well, in november to give them power i think the voters already figured it out that you know that they know that fauci and the democrats have uh, misled us all along i mean go down the list bob uh the, the the experts told us that uh this didn't start in the lab the experts told us there was no gain of function uh, uh research uh, being done there uh the experts told us that max mass actually work when we just had the, the, the people on TV this week <laughs> saying they don't work. The experts told us that uh, there would never be a vaccine mandate. The, Joe Biden himself said, if you get the vaccine, you can't get COVID. He said, if you get the vaccine, you you um, you can't transmit COVID. So how many different things have they told us that, that turned out to be just absolutely false? So I think the American people are like, you can't trust these people. You can't trust anything that comes from them. And then you couple that with their failure on every other major policy border inflation crime exit from afghanistan the the, the country is just going to say like it, it doesn't take a genius to, to figure out these guys are the worst on in every policy area you can come up with and oh then you add to it the fact that they want to politicize and make this committee partisan and are attacking people's first amendment free speech rights as we saw evidence Yesterday, with what they uh, two days ago, with what they did to my colleague Marjorie Taylor Greene with big tech kicking her off Twitter. I mean, it's like I think I think the country sees it all for what it is, and if if uh, if it goes the way I think it's going to, I think we're going to win big. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up about the the border too, because I was going to combine it with COVID. Because I'm kind of wondering. Biden said yesterday again on camera, "This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's the unvaccinated that's causing all of this." And what I'm curious is. At what point is the pandemic so bad, the pandemic of the unvaccinated, that maybe we seal the southern border to stop unvaccinated people from crossing it by the by the thousands every week and coming into the population of the United States? One would think that that might be something you do to stop this pandemic of the unvaccinated. Right? Yeah, but, yeah, but that's just too logical. I mean, it's just too. It, but these guys, it's it's never. It's always about politics. It's never about logic. Yeah. You know, remember when uh, when when we. No one could get together, but if you wanted to protest back in the tw- in, in the summer 2020, if you wanted to protest, oh, that's we're going to allow that. We're going to allow the, uh, the, those kind of groups to get together. But anyone else, oh, sorry, you can't do it. No sports, no. You, it, it, they're never consistent. It's not about logic. It's not about reasoning. It's not about facts and truth. It's about politics. And again, I I, I think the country has figured it out. Uh, and the good signs that we've seen in the last few months, where in Virginia. Moms and dads says, no, we're going to make Glenn Youngkin governor because we don't like this baloney, that, that this idea that government thinks they're smarter than us when it comes to our kids. You saw it in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where 12 jurors stood up for the truth and the facts and due process in our Constitution. Um, I think that's building. I really do. And um, I think it's going to manifest in a big, big election uh, on, uh, in, in November. 
Last thing, Congressman, you mentioned Marjorie Taylor Greene being booted by Twitter. Yesterday, Rand Paul announced he is going to be quitting YouTube. He will no longer use that platform yep. because of the same reason, censorship. I heard him this morning in an interview saying, we as conservatives have to stop talking about how mad we are about being censored. We need to walk yep. away. We need to walk away from these platforms, not give them our time and our attention. And he's going to get her, and he's going to rumble in some other places as well. Do you think conservatives need to abandon Twitter? I think we need to definitely make sure we're, we're moving to those other platforms as well. We need to fight back in every way possible. Um, my friend and, and former colleague is now working on this issue. Devin Nunes has left Congress to work on this very issue to help create uh, uh, the, the, the Trump social, the, the, the alternative platforms, and fight back against the, the just the left-wing dominance of these, uh, of these current platforms. So I think we've got to do all the above uh, to make sure, because, again, this is – We've talked about this many times. This is an attack on the most fundamental liberty we have, our right to speak. And this is, this is largely the public square today. It's the social media platforms and these, these, these – uh, this is where we have debate. So what they're doing is a direct threat to First Amendment liberties. And when you do it to a sitting member of the United States Congress and a year ago did it to the president of the United States but still let the Taliban on your platform, that tells you everything you need to know. So um, – yeah, we got to fight this in any and every way we can. Well, I uh, I completely concur, and I do think it's time. I think Rand Paul is on to something. I think we need to move on, and uh, that's why I just joined Getter as well. You're one of the first people I followed there, so I'm going to continue to urge people to get away Good. from the toxic places where censorship runs free uh, and get to a place where speech runs free instead. Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you so much. I appreciate it uh, you bet. very thank much. Thank you. All right, that's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll take our time out here and come right back on AM 1420, The Answer. the government is so bad you just have to laugh <laughs> always right with bob france <laughs> i'm laughing too on am 1420 answer yeah uh, not really a laughing matter however sad to say it's just not really a laughing matter when what we're talking about here is uh, the safety and security of the uh, united states of america did you hear jen Psaki in full what she said yesterday when she was asked at the uh, press briefing whether or not the Biden administration has lost control of the virus, I only played the short version there for Jim Jordan, when she said, uh, no, we don't think that's the case. And then she proceeded to talk about how many tests there are. And we've bought a massive number of tests. Since when is buying 500 million tests akin to treating people and helping make them healthy? Um what exactly is she talking about? We're going to talk about that coming up after uh, coming up after the top of the hour. How is the White House going to try to sell us that having more people say, "Yay, I'm positive," is somehow getting a control, getting control, or getting a handle on a pandemic, a virus? How is testing the answer when testing has not been the answer for two years now? Also coming up after the top of the hour news, we are going to talk more about the death of Shane Bartek. A Cleveland police officer, just 25 years of age, victim of a carjacking. Victim, according to what we are learning, uh, of a career criminal at the age of 18. Somebody who had been a violent criminal since the age of 13. And who could have and should have been already locked up in juvenile detention. Locked up in the Department of Youth Services before she had a chance to kill Officer Bartek. 
We'll have that story and more coming right up on AM 1420 The Answer. Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv and on local now, channel 525. 